go. What's up, everybody? Trust you're having a good day. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. At Theology in the Dirt, we want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from the headquarters of Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address the foster care and adoption crisis in northwest Georgia. And there we are seeking to practice our theology in the public square. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and you are, sir? Chris Hayes. We thank you guys for joining us. Now it's time to get to a little bit of breaking news. Chris, yesterday I was uh, looking up all kinds of fun stuff, and I was got two pieces of news I really wanted to talk about, but I got to keep it to one. <laughs> I found a story in the Dallas Morning News about an ongoing drama at the Dallas Zoo: stolen monkeys and stolen animals from a. That's pretty awesome, pretty fascinating. Uh, it's pretty cool, and so. Um, but then I saw breaking news: Chinese spy balloon. Have you seen this? <laughs> I haven't seen that. Oh, no. my gosh. This is true. There is a Chinese spy balloon that is spotted over Montana, and it's got spy spyware. Like, I mean, not spyware. <laughs> oh, it's got stuff. Like, it's got got instruments hanging from this balloon, and it's higher. It's it's out of air traffic. Uh, we learned yesterday the, the Pentagon has known about this for a couple of days. Biden wanted to shoot it down. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs decided, uh, talked him out of that because of the fear of the equipment that's hanging from, it's like a big weather balloon. Right. And and it falling over residential areas because it's pretty hefty, pretty hefty. So the pictures of it, like we've captured it, we're uh, watching it. I mean, they scrambled. Initially, it was close to an airport. They they stopped flights out of that airport. They scrambled F-22s and, uh, and sent a strongly worded statement to the People's Republic of China uh, China has recently been saber-rattling about the Speaker of the House visiting Taiwan. So I mean, we've got this Taiwan thing coming up here. Um, several people in the Pentagon are talking preparation for possibly 2025 dealing with China. And so it's very interesting, and particularly over Montana, because Montana is where we have a lot of ICBM missile silos. The um, the Minutemen ICBM crew sitting in the ground in Montana. So anyway... Piece of news at China, and, and apparently this isn't the first time. It just didn't make the news. There are pictures now. We actually have photos out there. So um, a little bit of back and forth with uh, America visiting Taiwan. I think Pelosi visited, was it Pelosi? Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan 
uh, earlier back in 2022, late of 2022, uh, the new speaker of the house is looking to visit Taiwan in support for Taiwan's independence from China. And in, in response, they've been taking pictures of our ICBM silos. It's not like we don't spy too, but I mean, that's not justification, but it's interesting that yeah. it's now news and now it's uh shoot the thing down. People have been saying, some people are going, let's monitor it. So it's interesting right now what's happening between China and the, United States. There's a lot of cowboys and and ranchers in Montana. Some one of those guys probably gonna shoot that down if they see that flying over. <laughs> right? Can, can my thirty thirty reach that high? Yeah. <laughs> so interesting, a Chinese spy balloon or monkeys being stolen from the Dallas Zoo. I encourage you guys go find that. Did story. the Chinese do that too? The, the Chinese could be stealing a monkey. <laughs> or the Wicked Witch of the West is back, and we're in trouble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is really bad. It's unfortunate when I see. Like when I think thought of those monkeys, I immediately um, thought of of uh, the movie. Oh shoot, what's the name of the movie? And the monkeys do the sign language, and uh, it's a cart. It's the cartoon. It's the animated movie. Um, that Madagascar. Madagascar. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and the monkeys Classic. flinging poo. <laughs> that's that's what I thought about. That's horrible, but that's the first thing I thought of was my stealing monkeys. Is monkeys flinging poo? I think about that when I see politicians on Twitter. <laughs> that's about what AOC did yesterday in the in the, the Senate floor yesterday screaming and anyway Chinese spy balloon check it out folks and uh it's interesting we do we do have some international challenges Ukraine and Russia Russia's connection to China China and Russia working back and forth and uh and China clearly now being caught taking pictures yeah. got to wonder why they want another information anyway that's my news Chris what you got well, I also kind of went with a more light news topic today since our main topic is a little heavier. Um, in honor of Groundhog Day, which was yesterday, February 2nd, today's February 3rd, when we're, fil- when we're recording this, and um, our, our groundhog friend up in Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney Phil, I think Punk, it was. Punxsutawney Phil, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the beloved groundhog from Pennsylvania, he did sh- see his shadow, which according to legend and tradition means six more weeks of winter. Thanks a lot, Phil. Uh, but how accurate is this way of determining the weather to spring season transition? So over the 137-year tradition, it is the 107th time Phil has seen his shadow. And there's, so there's a group of dozen or so men in black suits and top hats who gather together every year to do this. Um, he's over 50% accurate. I think it's like 60% wow. accurate. Now, so like modern weather. It's <laughs> true. Not any different than that. Uh, the annual event has its own German legend about a furry rodent, and it roots back to um, Candlemas Day in Europe, which is like the Christian Festival of Lights that calls on February 2nd. It's or not falls. Christian Festival of Lights? Yes. It's not Diwali? No, <laughs> but that's that's a different festival. Of oh, okay, gotcha. Um, or the Jewish one, too, but yeah. Hanukkah is also a festival of lights. It is. Um I just have Adam Sandler in my head now singing on a good And song. I, I have Michael Scott singing the Dwali song in the office. So that's where it, um, that's what you did to me when you said Festival of Lights. <laughs> We're off now. We're off. Um, so yeah. So if Phil doesn't see a shadow, it means early spring. Um, but that's not what happened. But our friend, so Georgia has their own groundhog, you know, General Beauregard Lee. Right. And he didn't see his shadow, probably because it's rained for 78 days straight. And, um, so, I'm going to go with the Georgia and the Braves fan over the yes. Phillies fan, please. And I think I think Beauregard's got it. So hopefully we have early spring because I'm 
I'm hoping for I'm hoping Beauregard is absolutely correct. Yes. That would be, be awesome. I, I'm so tired of the cold rain. It's insane. It's just depressing. It is depressing. Absolutely. So that's your news, and it's time for the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time. For the final countdown, the show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, let's roll. Well, last week we, last time we we recorded, we we talked about the Christian life, and and we've got this long list of things we want to talk about in regard to the Christian life, and we we decided we just want to uh, go hard on the first one. We talk about human sexuality. Um, this one is a this is a very broad and complicated topic, and 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 I just want to say right out. Um, Complicated, not because God makes it complicated or because it is complicated, but because we're dealing with humans who are fallen creatures. And um, because of what our Bible teaches us happened pretty soon after the initial creation of mankind in the image of God. But I also want to affirm in this too, this isn't a downer topic. This isn't like a, a sad thing to talk about. In fact, this is perhaps a most joyous and glorious discussion about human sexuality. And and I do want to qualify when I say human sexuality, I don't mean a husband and a wife and their and their sexual relationship. That's that's not what I'm talking about, human sexual relation. And there was this period in uh in church life where, where a lot of your popular preacher pastor guys were preaching sermons about sex. And I'm like, that is not what we're talking about. So when we talk about human sexuality, what I have in mind is Man and woman, as created by God, as man and woman, and how that plays itself out in regard to what it means to be man and woman. Um, as simple as that is, it is also a most wildly complex issue too. Spoken to particularly, and I think one of the reasons, Chris, I wanted to talk about this um, reasons. Number one. It is. It might be the most dominating topic uh, in news cycles that there is. Whether it be and and here's <clears throat> here's an example. I'm at the Y, trying to trying to uh, fifty years old, trying to keep some muscle tone so I don't get too old and funky and um, and two old dudes are around me and like listen, I have my earbuds in. I, leave me alone when I'm in the gym. Right? I don't want right. to talk. I'm listening to a podcast about uh, a, a I'm listening to listen podcast about Joey Watkins here in Rome, Georgia, who was I think falsely convicted and put in prison for murder. He didn't commit. So I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to this crazy story. Uh, sometimes I'm listening to music, and and uh, these dudes are trying to talk to me. I'm like, does the do the earbuds not let you know? Don't talk to me, but they're talking to me, and then I feel bad because you know, Mister Christian guy, I should want to talk to people, so my conscience gets the best of me, and so they're trying to talk to me. But here's what they're talking about: one of them's telling me about, and this one is a is a retired pastor about a grandkid who's a dude who thinks he's a girl, and the other guy is 
talking about uh, dudes competing as girls and maybe there being a period of transition. And when that period of transition is over, they can compete with girls because the transition has been completed. And so as they're talking this and talking to me about it, while I'm trying to listen to a podcast about Joey Watkins, like I just feel, I feel my anger rising because I'm going, this guy right here ought to know better. He's claiming to be one thing. This other guy right here, he's a retired Navy special warfare guy. And this guy's a pastor. I'm a pastor. And and they're just like, I'm getting I'm getting angry. So I'm like, okay. They're talking. They're trying to include me in this conversation, even though I got my earbuds in. But it's a topic at the Y. It's on the radio. It's, in ESP, it's on ESPN. We got the girl competing and the dude competing as a girl and women swimming, uh, finishing first because he's got the bone structure of a man because he is a man, competing as a girl. I think Leah Thomas is his name now. Um, we've got the debate about whether men should be competing in women's sports. We've got the debate now whether or not men who call themselves women can go into women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. You've got mixed-gender bathrooms. You've got gender-neutral bathrooms. It dominates almost every piece of society. And I'm not even touching the heterosexual, homosexual issue yet. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a very complicated thing, but made complicated by things I think we want to talk about today. But I particularly as a Christian want to be able to speak because I, I think um, our parents, uh, our students, our children are going to be inundated with this information. And here's what I think, Chris. I think the very fact that this information gets in our psyche at such a concentrated level has an impact on some people and not only how they see it, but whether or not it affects their concept of their own sexuality. It inserts questions they probably shouldn't even ask in the first place. A young girl asking the question, well, geez, can I be a guy? Yeah. Well, I like building things. Does that mean, mean I'm a guy? I wonder why I like building things. Is there something wrong with me? And these questions, if they're not worked out with another person to to interdict that question in some manner, there is no telling where the mind, which has great impact on the body, can take the body and, and the soul down a dark path to make an assertion about themselves that's not even true. And 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 nobody knew to even question the question. So what I want to do is question the question. I want us to, as Christians, not fail for our people to at least talk about it. And here's another reason I want to talk about on the podcast. This is the kind of stuff, as a preacher, teacher of the Bible, Sunday mornings are not for having these discussions. They're for opening the Bible and teaching the Bible. No, we teach the Bible. We teach Genesis. We talk about this all the time in regard to the base. This is what God made. This is what it is. But these kind of discussions are not for Sunday sermons. Uh, they are for discussion. So we want to have this discussion not on a Sunday morning, but in, in a format where we can have it and we can share it with our people and they can share it with their friends so that we can at least say, hey, as Christians, there's a baseline and here's some of the questions and here's how we need to come at it as Christians. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, we're, we're definitely in a place in our society where like sexuality and gender, they're no longer clearly defined or understood, right? Then the biblical truth hasn't changed, right. but our culture ignores all that now. Uh, I kind of equate it to uh, – because. What we, we do this a lot with things. It's, it's not like we just 
we've blurred the lines on something, we've just completely wiped them out completely. So it's just right. overly fluid. It's like if you went on I-75, took down the median, erased all the lines, and just said, okay, everybody go for it. Like that's not going to work out well. And just the same thing with, with things like this. When you start to even blur the line and you go just immediately to the other extreme. Um, but the, the truth is, you know, Genesis 1, 26 and 28, just jumping right in. We read of God creating man and woman in his image, equal in their dignity, but different in their design and calling. And the man and woman are commissioned to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. And I feel like obviously Genesis 1 for us communicates both the identity of male and female pretty clearly and that this identity is oriented toward a procreative union meant to populate the earth. Um, but there we are, there's all joyful component there too. It's not just pro procreation, right? right? There's it's, it's this reflection of this, the ultimate relationship we see in scripture of Christ and the church. And when we get outside that when we start blurring that and we start blurring purpose and identity between man and woman. Um, like those are, well, those are pillars of, you know, our cultural mandate, right? They're pillars of life, man and woman in God's image. And when we start to, to just change that and make up our own definitions and with like never ending, right. You know, definitions and, and changing it all, right. man, it's just, it's just a recipe for disaster. And we're in that state right now. We really are. And, and just to get really granular here, if somebody's listening to this and, and the critique is, Oh, see, there they go. They're, you're going to appeal to the Bible. You're going to go to the Bible. Let me just, let me stop that thought. Everybody on the face of this planet appeals to some authority as a justification for why they believe what they believe. There's no such thing as appealing to non-authority. A person who's going to disagree with our perspective here is going to appeal to another authority. They're going to appeal to authority that will critique what the Bible says. Well, this person says it doesn't say that, and what they've done is appealed to an authority outside of themselves. Yeah. And 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 then other folks are going to appeal to other authorities. Everything, every thought comes out of a framework that is created either by somebody, something, or some deity. And it is passed down either in word or in thought so that everyone who has an opinion always appeals to an authority outside of themselves, which is why we say... Um, if it if it just comes from within me, it's an opinion unless it's been informed by some source or authority outside of me that has the credibility of being true in reality. Does that make sense? Yep. So before somebody starts critiquing, critiquing the fact that we're going to the Bible, just stop and, say, and, and understand that every human on the planet appeals to an authority outside themselves. As Christians, we believe our book says of itself that it is a self-attesting truth. And because it says that of itself and claims to be from God, the God, then we have a responsibility to speak what it says. So before you critique us, critique yourself about what your outside authority is. Because if you say that the Bible's wrong, then what authority are you basing that on? Is that your opinion? Or are you basing that on an authority outside of yourself? And if you are, you're doing the exact same thing that we are. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And so we have to appeal as Christians. And what I want to say to our brothers and sisters who might be in the evangelical world who are maybe um, a little nervous about addressing this, don't be afraid of your Bible. Everybody's going to appeal to a source outside of themselves. Our source happens to be what we call the Bible. And the Bible, as you said, is clear. God joyfully, and this and this is why I think it's not a heavy topic. I think it's actually a very light and beautiful and joyful topic. God created man and woman, 
in his image. So God in his personhood has distinction. The Bible teaches us God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he's one. Mm-hmm. So this beautiful, unique doctrine, Christian doctrine of the Trinity, um, there's distinction. And that distinction is played out when God creates humankind made to represent him on earth as his image bears, meaning we look like, smell like, act like physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, in all those ways, like God in some ways. Mm-hmm. And he distinguished male and female. Yeah, That's awesome. That's joyous. That's beautiful. And the, I love the language. God does it poetically too. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's a poem. It's a song that Adam sings. God made woman in his image to correspond to man. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It is. Because he didn't want man to be alone. So he made a woman corresponding to him. God in his personhood isn't alone, and human beings are not alone. That's beautiful. That's human sexuality. That's the framework. The Bible teaches what human sexuality is. Corresponding to one another to be together. That's the base. That's the framework. 100%. That's, and you're right. It is beautiful. And I think that's why we wanted to make sure we approached it that way. There's some heavy stuff that has to be discussed in there. But I think, the, and I think the difficult yeah. part for Christians is the normalizing of immoral acts, um, both from a legalistic movement to not just acceptance, but a full fledged support and championing, championing of sexual sin, right. but also of misgendering. And, and what we've done is we've just, we've completely, normalized it to the point where now we're trying to teach it. We're trying to instill it into young children who are, you know, the whole part of childhood is identity and and self and then kind of learning to be an independent person from your parents, that kind of phase of life and that adolescent phase and that childhood phase. And there's a lot, there's enough questions as you mentioned, as it is that shouldn't be brought up some of these discussions and trying to figure out, well, I have this feeling. Am I this? Am I that? Mm-hmm. And um, to, honestly, that's the that's the scary part to me right now. And and, and it goes beyond that too. You can go. In, I mean, you can bring up the feminist movement of not only you know male, female. You can be whatever you want to. But now it's like, well, we we're going to break down and strip down those roles and those those identifiers that God created man and woman, even though He created them to be equal, but with different roles. We're now even breaking that down continually to mean something else to either put woman ahead of man or to try to, you know, claim this false narrative that man is above woman. We need to break that down, that whole toxic masculinity and and not trying to get too broad today. So I won't want to dive deep into that, but I'm just, but at that core level, even we're breaking down this beautiful creation, this beautiful picture of what God has made us as a representation of his own image for his glory, but also for each other. Man and woman was created to you know, he literally says it's not good for man to be alone. Right, and we know about God's creation is everything He t- creates. He says this is good. Yeah, and it's for our good as much as it is for His glory. That's right. That's right. So, so when we come at this issue, we have to ask some questions. So, if that's what God created and intended, how did it get skewed? How did it get off those rails? Well, our Bible tells us in Genesis three there is a member of God's counsel of created beings who carry supernatural divine power. Um, and one of them, one of them approaches the image bearers and inserts doubt about God's intention for them, about God's good for them. 
And from that moment, their belief in the question about God's good intention in them and for them led to everything getting out of bounds, everything breaking. And therefore, it requires us to think about human nature. Um, we are, we talk about the makeup of humans, we're biological, we're spiritual. Um, and in that biological and spiritual, and, 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 and there's so much in Genesis, like, that's a whole series of podcasts in and of itself, creation, the creation narrative, because one of the great mistakes we've made with the scientific mindset, like the enlightenment mindset, is we come reading Genesis 1, 2, and 3, for some unfortunate, trying to disprove Charles Darwin, which is a gross mistake, because Moses did not have Charles Darwin in mind when he wrote that. The Holy Spirit didn't, the Holy Spirit knew but Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wasn't thinking about Charles Darwin evolution. He was telling a beautiful narrative about God and God's creation of all things. It tells a poetic story. It tells a story of beauty. Uh, it tells a story with the worldview of the people of the time. It tells us about the spiritual and the physical, the combination of the two, the places that are special, gardens, um, a special place where God meets with his creatures, his image bears, his divine counsel of himself, all these beautiful things. There's a lot going on. And so when God makes man in his image, we are beautifully complicated creatures. We have a body, and yet we have this spiritual component that's able to relate to God and the other beings in the universe who are not physical so much so we get Genesis 6 where some of these creatures manifest themselves. The sons of God breed with daughters of men, and it causes a problem. And this plays out for the rest of the Bible. I know that creates a question in other people's minds like, who are these people? Great question. There are books on this, and this unorthodox issue that's easy to avoid because it's one of the hard places in your Bible. Yeah. But we are made up of those components. And so, therefore, when we talk about human sexuality, there's a lot of influences on how that manifests. The body and the spiritual component, the soul, the immaterial parts. What is that made of? Well, the human mind is the place we, it's, we think, we reason. The brain is not the mind. The brain is the organ the mind uses to regulate the body. So, therefore, Chris... If we have thoughts contrary to reality and we believe them enough, can it affect our bodies? Oh, it can affect all every part of us, absolutely. If we are hurt, wounded, and we in our thinking go down dark paths, can it affect our bodies? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so this whole idea of human sexuality has roots at the mind level and the spiritual level that we can't ignore. Now, if you don't, if people don't believe that we have an immaterial component to us, that's a different discussion. Mm -hmm. But if you believe we have an immaterial component to us that matters, then the, what the body does is intimately connected to what the mind does. And if we begin to think the wrong things, it is no wonder that in the body we might manifest a different purpose other than what God created us for. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think a hundred percent. I, I'm glad you brought up that spiritual component because I think we see that even from the very first sin, right? I mean, Satan didn't come and like force feed them an apple mm -hmm. from the tree. It was all about this convincing yeah. the mind of, you know, that's, that's not really what God said. Or that's not what he meant. You know, we, we've, we've taken down the truth and we've broken it down to mm -hmm. something that in a, in a way that's convincing and that's like, you know, the one thing in the garden, the one thing of all God's creation that he says you can't do. Right. And 
what we and we kind of see this in everything. What sin does is it takes all things that are beautiful and makes them unbeautiful, but it makes them still appealing to us. So it kind of takes this created order and blurs the lines, right? And yeah. to make it so, it, so you're and you mentioned the mind. It's 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 not that you are just like, man, I really want to go against created order today. It's it's kind of twisting that to a place where you're like. I'm not just accepting something like I believe this. Like this is it. It must be in me. It must be part. And that's the argument we hear a lot is like, well, I was made to be gay, or I was born really supposed to be a man, but I have women parts, and that takes over the mind, which takes over the the, the flesh as well, yeah. the body. And and we see that all the time. And it, that's the, that's where that normalizing comes in. And then now we've got a society that's like. Instead of saying don't give into that, yeah, you know, fight that. It's like, oh yeah, no, be what you want. Yeah, be what you want. Yeah, give well, into your mind, whatever your mind says. And I would argue that a lot of people on the other side aren't considering the power of the mind over the body. Right, they're making it merely a biological issue, which I would argue is a function of naturalism that has caused humankind to see humans as biological entities only evidenced in the fact of, of macroevolution that is the predominant worldview that we're that we are all related back to some single-celled organism that evolved from species to species to human beings so we're merely biological which affects the medical world that treats us as only biological entities that can be controlled chemically so our worldview the predominant worldview the air we breathe is naturalist there is no supernatural there is no immaterial component. The brain, the mind is the brain. And what we would say as Christians, the mind is not the brain. There's a consciousness outside of physical creation, evidenced by the fact that there is a God who transcends physical creation. And because that God transcends physical creation, there's an immaterial component to us that you have to consider. And if you're not considering that, you're missing half the equation. Right. And we know in math, if I'm missing half the equation, I'm not going to get the answer. So true. Right, So if I'm in the mind, I'm beginning to think things that are untrue, they will be manifest in my body. Fear is one. I have learned the past five years, I did not know the difference between fear and anger. That's unhealthy. Yeah, We've talked about emotional mental health on here before. And what I have found is if I can control fear, I can control my body's response to external stimulus which means I have to have a different mentality. I have to let God's word speak to that. What does God say about fear? Hmm. Well, if that's what God's word says about fear, then I have to think differently about external things. And if I think differently about them, I have discovered that my body responds differently to them. Craziest thing, Chris. And and the Bible calls that the Holy Spirit fruit of self-control. Crazy. It's, you know, it's funny you bring that up because it makes me think of how many. So, if you've ever watched any kind of like competition show or any kind of thing that's like physically driven, right? Like you know, you hear a lot, and and here like Navy SEALs talk about this and stuff. Like there's your there's a place where your mind says your body can't do anymore, yeah. but that's not really your limit. Yeah. And so we you know we push past those things, and our body is able to do more. Yeah. Um, because you know, our body's giving us warning signs that we see as limit as end can't go anymore which is not really the limit it's just your body saying i'm tired i'm depleted yeah you know this is a struggle and and again it's that component but i feel like we've taken it and twist and kind of made it backwards we're like okay my body is is telling me this yeah so now that's gonna 
to determine what I think about this thing. That's right. Yeah, as opposed to what's really happening is the mind is the one that's doing that. It's creating those physical yeah. desires, limitations, whatever, whatever it might be. And, you know, that's like, that's not an easy issue to combat. It's not an easy issue to turn around. Right. Um, but we have to fight against that. You have to fight against it. I, and, and I would even, even inside evangelical Christianity, there are people who will probably hear this and say, that's a theology that people on one side completely abuse about the nature of humanity. I would say, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They, they take that to mean we can speak things into existence. No, that's not what that means. That's God does that. God has the power of decreeing things into existence. Only God has that. But we are image bearers who have a mind and a body, and there's a component of human self-control that is supernatural God has given to us. It's the Holy Spirit fruit of self-control, meaning I can control myself. Yeah. And that means in my mind, this is why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, we take every, our weapons are not physical, they're spiritual. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. I meaning they're unphysical weapons that we have to use to take thoughts captive to make them then obey Jesus. That's what it says. And the reason, chapter 11, he says, is because Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. So Satan, these spiritual entities in the world that's rebelled against God and, and, and brought about the rebellion in humanity, speak lies. And lies that affect physically creation. And when they infect us, our task is to fight back and turn them into thoughts that obey Jesus. Yeah. And Paul describes it as warfare. Meaning there is an unphysical war in our minds with ideas that has to be fought, that come disguised as light and truth. Man, this frees me up to be what I was made to be. I'm not a woman, I'm a man. Is that true? According to the Bible, that's not true. And according to that passage of Scripture, I need to fight that, go to war against that idea, and turn it back to obey Jesus who created in the first place. Yeah. That's an immaterial fight, Chris. I can't take up a gun and do that. I'd like to be a lot easier, but the mental battle is brutally difficult to reign because it can run out of control and I can't put my hands on it. Right? Right. And 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 you know this, I know this when our minds start to swirl, it's a dangerous thing. Oh, 100%. So, you know, for example, like I, as a man, I'm created like we're just we're created. We're sexual beings. We're created with sexual desire, sexual thoughts. Um, God made females attractive to men for a reason. So like, but I, you know, you were talking about self control. So I have the self control not to look at a woman lustfully, but I also was created with an appreciation of physical beauty in a woman, and so it's that self control piece that that keeps me from doing that out of love for my wife and out of out of appreciation and respect for her to not look at a woman lustfully. Uh, sexual sin's unique because when we took it to the Bible, it says flee from sexual immorality. Like it doesn't say yeah. stand up and fight it and try to fight it off because you can't do it. Because right. you're you have so it's like yeah. you know, you can't uh, a, a guy struggling with pornography, you're not gonna get over that by just trying to force yourself while you're on your computer not to look at that website. Right. Or be like, well, let me just close the computer. I'll just watch TV. No, because you're going to see something, and that's going to. So it's like, no, you have to completely flee from that. 
Yeah. It's not run away from your issues. It's it's flee from anything that's going to yeah. potentially put you in that place. That's the only way to get out of that. That's right. And and that's that mindset. It's that I've got to completely remove myself from anything that's going to tempt me in that area because I know that I'm wired a certain way. Yeah. And if I don't have that self-control piece and if I don't have this desire for things of the Lord and to follow his commands, I'm going to go down the other path and that does not lead to a place you want to end up. That's right. That, that That's exactly right. Um, a thought that comes to mind is what if somebody says, well, are you saying that if I become a Christian and just manage my mind that all of these feelings might go away? No, no, no I'm not saying that. No. Uh, for some people, and there are great stories of people who fought this issue when it comes to how they see themselves, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, polyamorous, whatever it happens to be, who have seen those things shift back to their biological framework. There are some who haven't, and they've done everything right. They fight as best they can. So what we're saying is there is no promise on this side of things being made right that everything will reset back to a state of complete equilibrium. Um, That's on the other side. That promise in the Bible comes when the Lord returns and fully establishes the kingdom, he will do justice and he will make everything right. On this side, there's no promise that everything's going to get set right. It might just be a fight for the rest of our lives. It might just be a battle. And and the faithfulness will be not in conquering it, but keeping our fists up and refusing to give in. Mm-hmm. So I want people listening to this to not hear some promise. If I just think the right things all the time, it's always going to work out. No, you might just have to fight to think the right things all the time, and it may never work out until that day. Yeah. But but the faithfulness is in fighting because because for all of us there are issues whether it be this or something else that we just can't seem to win over. But the faithfulness is found in continuing to fight it, not give in to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't want anybody to hear us talking that pie in the sky. If we just manage our minds, our sexuality will come into order. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's just that you have to fight it, and the tool to fight it is managing your mind to keep it in check, not giving into the lies or even the emotive feeling um, that may be seeking to drive us at that moment. Not not being a victim of our emotions, but actually managing our emotions so as to fight it and stay successful in the fight. And that's why the biblical perspective and, and having that set of limitations and principles and law um, is so important. Like as, as Christians, we can't approach these topics from an ethical framework or from the lens of inclusivity or even emotion. Like we, we can't approach yeah. them that way. Sin warps perception. Yeah. Um, but scripture doesn't leave any gray areas or gaps. Uh, the world says that gender and sexuality are a matter of personal preference and will and self-chosen as part of our like, autonomous selves. But the Bible speaks to created reality in both a sinful and redeemed state because the Lord Jesus reigns over creation and unites both creation and redemption in his gospel. Um, I was doing a little research and I came across this quote from Andrew Walker who um, does some stuff with Gospel Coalition. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was just really well written. He says, A vision for gender and sexuality that fails to satisfy the demands set forth in Genesis 
will be subject to endless redefinition, which is why revisionist accounts of gender and sexuality, such as same-sex marriage and gender fluidity, retain no coherent limiting principle. You know, so when we get away from Scripture and God's intentional purpose, um, you know, we're left without anything solid to cling on. Yeah. And when you're left without a solid foundation or something to cling for, it's going to fall. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. You, and it's funny, even in the biblical narrative, you don't get far in until you see those boundaries start getting broken. Yeah. Whether it be Lot and his daughters, whether it be um, Sodom and Gomorrah, whether it be um, multiple wives. Like, it, we don't get far past the creation narrative and the entrance of sin until you start seeing those boundaries broken. So the, the fact that the, there's a, not a limiting principle has led, truthfully, to an absolute decay of human society. There's not much in history you you can, I mean, how do you say, you can find in human history multiple examples of societies decaying over the issue of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. It just does. The, the, even, even the whole abortion and pro-life debate uh, is huge because the idea that I can't control my sexuality, therefore health care equals murdering a baby, is just ludicrous. Yeah. Like what you're saying is I'm an animal who has no self control. And just being a sexual creature is just so much my identity that the health care I need to keep that in check is murdering a child. Like that is so nonsensical. But when you realize, no, actually, there are boundaries for human flourishing, for my good, materially and immaterially, because we're not just a body, we're a soul, we're, our mind is important, that I can control that. And if I never have sexual relations again, I'm actually going to be okay. I'm not going to die. In some instances, I may be better off. But the idea that health care equals, I need to make sure that I can murder this child, speaks to the thought that the person has no sense of self-control, which places them in the realm of animal, not human being, who is immaterial and material. Does that make sense? It does. And so I just so I would say anybody listening to this who thinks differently, think about that for a second. Like we are we can control ourselves. We're not animals. Mm-hmm. And so our mind can control our body, which can create human flourishing. Another thought too that uh that, that I think is huge here. And this just shows the creative genius of God. You can dig a skeleton up from the ground. If it can survive for 10,000 years in the ground. Now, if you're a 6,000-year creation person, I probably just offended you. So, <laughs> let's say 6,000 years so nobody's offended. Whatever. You dig a skeleton up out of the ground. Yeah. You can do a test on those bones. And the DNA in those bones will tell you whether or not it was a man or a woman. It's down to the bone. It's in the bones. So you can take the drugs. You can tell yourself to lie. But when they put you in the ground and you decompose and they dig your bones up 5,000 years later, the DNA tells you if you're a man or a woman. That's how deep it goes. It's not just the plumbing. And I'm not trying to be crude. It is a created component that goes all the way down into the structure of the human. That's deep. Can't change that. No. Leah, Leah Thomas, Leah Thomas is a dude. Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner is a dude, yeah. and their bones tell you that. Yeah. 
Science proves it. Science proves it. Because God created the science. <laughs> God created the science, which is crazy. That's a, oh my gosh, science. We need to do a talk on science, right? That's, I've started, like, I want to start tweeting stuff out that I just want people to think that's not true, like Georgia's best college football team ever, and I'm going to follow up with science. Yeah. <laughs> if you just say science, or well, it's the science. we got science, science, science. Like, what the heck does that mean? So I mean, there's a whole perspective. Christian life, science. What is science? That actually we might need to do that one. Yeah. Well, people again, it's they use science as to make their opinion a truth, and they're appealing to a, a greater source than them. It's they the same, are. It's the same argument with the abortion and the life. Yep. It's a. It's like, well, it's science. I'm like, actually, the science is pretty clear that that's a living, yep. developing being. Yep. You know who the here's here's your thought. You know who the new high priests of the world religion are today? Scientists. Yeah. It is the number one appealed to um em, <laughs> uh, entity for what is true, science. The science says it. So the high priests of the world's dominant religion today are scientists. And so if a scientist comes, and we don't question their worldview, we don't question their perspective, we don't even question their methodology. If they said it, it's the science. So we can take an entire population governmentally down a path because of science until somebody else does some science and figures out that science was bad. But the high priest said so. Scientists are our new high priests of the world religion of naturalism. There's, there's your worldview point for, for the science day. doesn't require a faith component no 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 there I've is no s- no i've got to see it if i can if i can that's see right. it or somebody who right. is not using a faith argument says it, it must be true that's exactly right and 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 as christians we have to be better scientists than that yeah in fact uh some of the world's leading discoveries were made by christians because they just observed created order mm-hmm. right and and so actually the scientific method is rooted in just observing reality and creation which is solid and good the problem is there's no such thing as a blank slate we all bring a worldview to our scientific to the scientific method we assume some things um and so if you assume i'm a biological entity and my biology tells me i'm something other than what i am then i'm ignoring the fact that that's probably coming from an immaterial source and i have a limited worldview and i need to change my worldview that there's some immaterial components affecting my biology and i need to question that but until they start doing that, and, and then, then we're left, we're left with half the equation missing. So, Chris, what are some takeaways that you have as we get ready to to wrap up our very limited discussion on human sexuality? Yeah, I've got five takeaways here. I won't, and they don't take too long, so I'll just kind of go through these. Um, number one, sex is God given, and it's intended for pleasure, not just pro- procreation within the framework and covenant of marriage between man and woman, which is to reflect the divine union between Christ and His Church. I know we didn't really talk about sex or sex outside of marriage, but I think that's just an important point to remind everyone that sex was created by God, and there was an intention there for a pleasure, for joy, within the right framework of marriage between man and woman. Yeah. Uh, number two, and we kind of just hit this, but there are only two genders. There are only two sexes, period. Genesis one twenty seven again. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Science backs this up as well. Men and women are born with 46 chromosomes. The first 22 pairs are the same. The 23rd pair is what determines sex, either uh, XX or XY. And there are, yes, there are some rare birth defects, sure, that happen. That cha- And people try to bring that up as a reasoning for there are not two genders. 
But the truth is, God created male and female in his image, and that's it. And anything else is just made up. Hey, can I can I comment? Please because do. I'll start laughing if I don't. My, here's how my wife can tell you that there are only two genders. Jennifer's like coined this because she's the only woman in a house full of all males, including the dog. The dog's a boy. Jennifer's word on human sexuality is the Y chromosome cannot feel food on its face. <laughs> and I think she's right. Yeah. So that's that's our human sexuality test. Can they feel the food on their face? <laughs> and if they can't, I don't care what they say they are. Not a girl. And I think she's right. Like We are incapable of feeling food on our face. <laughs> So when you said XY chromosome, I'm hearing my wife, awesome. Jennifer, say the Y chromosome cannot feel food on its face. Shout out to Jen Jolly. Yes, there you go. So, I mean, I know this is a serious topic, but in my yeah. household, I think she's right. The dudes cannot feel food stuck on their face. True story. <laughs> uh, number three, let Romans 12 two be a great reminder to you all. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Stop allowing the world to transform your belief system and to or to wreck your belief system. Right. I mean, Scripture is clear on that. Yeah. Um, conform the world to the Scripture, and and that's how we view things. Right. Uh, number four. So before I read number four, I want to just preface this one by saying sexual sin is a very dark thing. I yeah. think maybe more than anything else, the shame, the guilt that comes from any type of sexual sin feels heavier or as heavy as anything else. So number four, there is forgiveness and mercy in the power of the redemptive work of the cross of Jesus. And mm-hmm. while sexual sin and lifestyles can be crippling, he is strong enough and faithful enough to save and restore. And I love these words from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Mm. And I just, you know, Ephesians 1 as well, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, Mm. according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So there is forgiveness, there is mercy. Don't allow sexual sin to maintain a hold of you, be free from that, and the Lord separates that from as far as east is from the west. Mm. And that's that. There's joy in that. There's freedom in that. And lastly, number five, Christians, be agents of compassion and kindness. It's not your job to condemn and force people out of their ways. But let you know. Let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Mm. Uh, instead, follow Paul's words in Ephesians four. 31, 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. I think this is the point where why Christians are having a hard time in this space is because we approach this as a, as a fight against people and not against the darkness, not against the sin, not against the things that are pulling these people down. And we have to approach this from a place of compassion mm. and kindness and, and through love, not through being um, against them, you know, against everyone else. Yeah, not absolutely. Coming, not coming in aggressive and combative. Yeah, that's good, man. That's solid. A um, couple of my closing thoughts are this. Um, sexuality is an issue ultimately because we're talking about the image of God in man. 
the exercise of human sexuality and identity and practice is ultimately an issue of worship, and thus, at its core, when off base, is an issue of idolatry. And because of how the Bible sees idolatry being driven particularly by demonic counsels of evil in the heavenly places, as a source of deception, and thus, when practiced out of bounds or identity being out of bounds, its root is in darkness and thus idolatrous worship. And therefore, I believe it's one of the reasons it's rooted so deeply into the nature of humanity because it's ultimately an issue of worship. And it's either God is worshiped in his triune glory and beauty and the distinction he created exercised in the bounds he created for human flourishing and joy and delight, or it becomes a dark issue of demonic worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be a source of which I'll probably get some nasty emails from people. But I, I don't think as a Christian there's any other way to see it. There's yeah. no other way to see it. Um, and finally, toxic masculinity and toxic femininity are a thing. Yeah. One of the things the Bible teaches us, God created male and female in his image. Both of them are made in the image of God. Female is not just the image of man. She is also the image of God, meaning God has in his nature masculine and feminine components. And so what we can't do as men is when we see those beautifully feminist, feminist, that's the wrong word, uh, because that's like a worldview. When When we see as men feminine components in other men, it's not a knock on their masculinity. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's beautiful and glorious. And I think one of the things we have done in in pushing men away is demeaning those parts in other men. When it's part of the glory of God displayed in them, and it's emotional for me, and I feel the, the emotion rising because I've done that to people as a kid. Like I, I'm guilty of being so toxic that I hurt and wounded people who exercise that because... I saw it through demonic eyes, and that's wrong. And and so when we don't celebrate those components in other men, we push them toward the darkness, and that's sin. And the compassion has to extend to the place that we recognize the glory of God and men creating his image so that if they're not gun-toting, animal-killing, weightlifting, bearded, whiskey-drinking people, that they're not men. That's just untrue. Yeah. It's just untrue. And so um, we can't do that. No. And so we have to be able to see that that when, when a man carries components that aren't celebrated in toxic masculinity, he's no less a man. So that, that's and then, and then toxic femininity. I don't have daughters, but uh, you have a daughter. Yeah. When our girls are not dress-wearing... Disney princess, um, glass slipper wearing ballerinas, but like to build things, um, like to shoot guns, or like to ride motorcycles. Um, she's not less of a woman. No. Um, she hasn't heard the glorious, no mistake, created genius of God. Because when he knit her together, he didn't make a mistake. Psalm 139 tells us that all of the days were created for them before there was yet one of them. And God does all things well. 
And if we inject into those precious little minds that those pieces are bad, we, we just shot into their identity with a deadly arrow. And what we've got to do is toxic femininity is also a thing. We just don't talk about it because mm-hmm. girls sit right now in our culture, they sit on top of the pyramid. You can have a, it, I got to be very careful what I say here because it's a legal matter, but uh, in our city, about a football player who's falsely accused, and I believe he's falsely accused, all it takes is a girl, a cleat chaser, who wants money because this kid has the capacity to make her an income one day in the league. All she's got to do is say, rape. And it doesn't matter whether it was rape or not. It doesn't matter whether it even happened or not. He's going to prison. And his life is over. And if we celebrate that, what we've done is diminish masculinity and highlighted feminism. And so what we do when we don't celebrate the components of masculinity and femininity in the way God created, we get out of bounds in ways that are destructive to men and women. Mm-hmm. We can destroy careers. We can destroy lives. We can destroy homes. And so what I want people to see is let's celebrate all the good of male and female, human sexuality in men and women, in the bounds God created, fighting for holiness and joy and right and good. And we can see human flourishing. We can see kingdom coming on this earth as in heaven. Yeah. But it's going to require us to be thoroughly biblical, uh, reject toxic, toxic femininity and toxic masculinity, equal, different roles. And when we can really pull that off, we can see beautiful things. But but we have to be in a culture of the kingdom, not a culture of this world. And particularly a culture of this world when toxic femininity and masculinity wearing Christian t-shirts advertised as Christian. Does that make sense? It does. Our our intrinsic created value and preciousness as a man and woman, yeah. as a son and daughter of the king is not up for question. That's right. It's not up for devaluing or debate. Yeah. And it should be celebrated because it is distinctly, intentionally from him. And we have to maintain that as believers. That's right. It's, it's not a... It's not an issue we can just throw aside and say it's not important. That's we right. have to continue to fight that battle. That's right. I think I'll close with this thought. I, I love how C.S. Lewis portrayed femininity in um, the Chronicles of Narnia with Susan. Queen Susan was the warrior queen. Yeah. That, that gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. She was made to be a warrior queen, not just a queen. Right. Uh, men were made to be kings who knew how to love well and if we can recapture that we will do well well guys we appreciate you listening theology in the dirt i hope you feel our passion i hope you feel our love for all things christian it is emotional for us and it matters to us i hope it matters to you because what matters is the glory of god and jesus christ preached to all nations we appreciate you listening hope this is helpful for you Please email us, theologyandirt at gmail.com with questions or thoughts you'd like for us to consider as we talk about the Christian life. We have a list of things we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, and it's lots of fun. Hope it equips you to be in the public square to make much of Jesus and live out a framework of the kingdom of God. Y'all have a great day. Talk to you next time. Out.